and welcome to a new episode of Digital Coffee. And I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you could please subscribe to Digital Coffee on all your favorite podcasting apps, sites, wherever you listen to it, just leave a five-star review. It really does help with the rankings. It just helps quite a bit. And if you don't like it, let me know how I can do better for you specifically. But this week I'm going to be talking about Oh, Intel and may or may not be actually building a site for chips and wondering why is that important? Well, it's important because we need manufacturing here in general and it's good to see innovation in the estates in general. Also, we're going to be talking about the Steam Deck competitors. Also, my first impressions of my Steam Deck, which I got this week, finally. Coming of Heroes is eventually launching with a very interesting types of things. Also streaming news as well. AMD's new RDNA three flagship. Oh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Strider Revenge. Talk about that a little bit as well. Also with just a few bit different types of other news like Unity merging with another company like Ubisoft's little Weird thing, Razer's new gear that is basically a loop deck live and so much more, including my actual biggest point will be, are we heading to recession for the gaming industry and what's it going to look like for the future? That's going to be my hot take for the, this episode. So it's going to, so just wait for the end because it's going to be very juicy, very spicy. So let's get on with it. Mm, that's good. All right, moving on to Intel news. And this is not specifically about their chips, but it's actually about the building that they're going to build the chips in. So there was this big push in around Donald Trump, regardless if you like him or not, it was a big push with him to get a lot of these companies to manufacture within the United States. They had TSMC actually try to commit to building a fab factory as well. We also have Intel. looks like it's going to build a fab factory in Ohio. Maybe. The issue of contention here is that the reconciliation bill, the Democrats always want, um, actually, I'm not going to blame, I'm going to blame both sides of this. Both sides always try to ram through things that are actually not part of a bill. It seems like, Democrats seem to do a lot more, but I'm not saying that Republicans don't do it all either. They look, they're trying to get their pet projects or trying to get, make their donors happy with a lot of these things. So they try to ram in more things within a bill that has nothing to do with what it's actually about. So the issue of contention here is that the reconciliation bill would have Medicare and basically renegotiating deals with Medicare. So it's basically health in a technology bill, which is very weird, but that's what they do. So it is basically that they want to do a semiconductor in America coalition. And that's our lobbying group was trying to get this bill called the U S I C a through that would help do an investment into creating fab factories within the United States. Why is this important? Because we don't want everything developed in China and maybe Taiwan too, since Taiwan is so close to China. We don't want that. That's actually a pretty bad thing to actually happen. So what this was supposed to do is supposed to build a fab factory, which would have thousands of jobs, 
to, and it's called the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. That's what the USICA actually means. And this was supposed to help with that bringing jobs if you can actually find people to work. That's another thing. But this would also just help with manufacturing core products or core industries that we need to keep going without trying to interfering with it because the problem is that technology is extremely important to the West and to China or the East, East-West. But it's extremely important to everybody and you don't want to have, well, things that countries that don't align with your values being able to use this to their advantage and your disadvantage. So I do hope that they come to terms with this and actually just get this part of the bill actually through because that's what we need. And by the way, it's going to have 3000 Intel jobs, 7,000 construction jobs, and they will not break ground unless this goes through and they will go to the EU, which I'm actually not as against going to the EU, but Look at every country needs to have its core infrastructure or core industries built, manufactured within their country. And we're seeing nowadays where, especially the pandemic, where having everything just over to China doesn't work and actually makes us weaker. So I do hope that they get this part of the bill through and not the other stupid thing that has nothing to do with it. All right, going to be talking about the Steam Deck and my impressions of it. And I haven't done too much of it, but I did get it on Wednesday. It is a very nice machine, very wide machine. And the battery life is relatively okay. Luckily, it does come with a USB-C charger. And that's all it actually really needs, which I like. It is a lot less heavy than my actual gaming laptop that the power block is Almost as heavy as the laptop, which is very annoying and doesn't have as long battery life as the Steam Deck. I'm quite surprised how smooth and easy it is to actually use. The Steam OS is very good, even if it is using a fork of Linux. Now, I did figure out how to get into Linux through the Steam Deck, which is interesting. The unfortunate thing I don't like is that you can't use the virtual keyboard on the, the Linux you actually have to have a keyboard and mouse. Well, you have to have a keyboard. So you can't really search for anything, but I did manage to go through the marketplace. Surprisingly, there's a video editor that I could use and Audacity, which is an audio editor. So I may be able to actually use this almost for a content creation, I'll bet very, not very powerful content creation type of a thing, which also brings interesting things. If I don't want to bring all my equipment with me, I could just bring the Steam Deck instead, which is a lot less, it's lighter, considerably lighter than bringing everything else. That means bringing an extra mic, well, I was always bring a microphone, bringing a camera. I mean, you got to bring a camera, but also the laptop, which is really heavy, but it's interesting. I do like it. I do think it's very good. I'm glad that it has a uh, audio jack, but also Bluetooth, so you can do either one of them, which I sorely miss that they don't have audio jacks anymore on your phones. You just have to use Bluetooth, and well, I mean, Bluetooth is great, but I kind of want an audio jack sometimes, which is easier that way. Call me old school if you want to, but anyways, that's kind of like my first impressions of it. Like I said, super easy to set up. 
it's super easy to install. I installed some games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, Elden Ring, Corvus I did as well. So there's some I actually installed. Not every game is optimized for the Steam Deck, so you got to be careful about that one. You can probably still install it. It just really won't work as well. But there's quite a few that are actually made for or verified to be used for the Steam Deck, which I actually like. It actually tells you if there's no really support, if there's kind of support, and there's verified for it. So that does make it easier to figure out which ones you actually want to use or not. So like I said, very interesting. I am very interested to see when the dock's going to come in because the dock is going to be a game changer as well because then you can dock it in, maybe use a portable monitor if you can actually find one or use maybe an iPad, maybe. I'm not really quite sure if you can actually do that, but something that will be a lot easier to use that way and be able to create connect more devices through it. But all in all, you could use a Bluetooth mouse, you can use Bluetooth headphones, you can use a wireless slash Bluetooth keyboard. So there is multiple ways of actually using this and very travel friendly, light, portable gaming device slash computer. But moving on to the Steam Deck competitors. Now there's a few competitors out there as well speaking on that and they're looking to talking to Valve about adding Steam OS to support it. So which would be interesting to see if you could dual boot it with Windows and everything else with it. Now, these are look very traditional. They're lighter laptops, so they do have a keyboard, but they have like basically a controller on the top of it. So it could be interesting. I when I look at a laptop, I just look at a laptop as a laptop, not both. I mean, it's a gaming laptop, that's fine. It could be interesting, but those things can be really, really heavy. But the WinMax 2, which is still on Indiegogo, it's blew past its uh, whatever it needed to be funded. It completely blew past it. It was still 52 days left. You And it will use either the Ryzen or the, the, I, the Intel chip. It also will have 16 or 32 gigs of RAM, one or two terabyte SSD, which is great, which is way more than what I got with the Steam Deck. But the Steam Deck also has a micro USB card, as micro, micro SD card, excuse me for that as well. So it should be interesting to see if Valve will be okay with it. I would assume they would for the software because more devices that have the software in it, the more developers will actually try to write it for the Steam OS. And maybe finally, maybe Linux will actually be popular. I'm not saying Linux is terrible. It just Linux isn't very popular with a lot of people. It's very confusing at times. I figured it out, but that's a very controlled, confined space, and I didn't have to figure out how to install it. It was already pre-installed for me. But with that being said, I would love to see Linux being an actual true competitor to Windows, to Mac OS, because open source is always, the, for the most part, the best way of going about it. All right, moving on to Company of Heroes 3, and it's finally going to be able to, you can pre-order it from Steam as well. So I'm really excited for this. I do miss the real-time strategy games a lot of times, and Company of Heroes is always one of the best ones. Relic has always been a really good developer for making strategy games, one of the few developers that still makes strategy games for that. But there will be four factions to play with. There's a British, U.S., African Corps, and Work Mark... I, 
Wehrmacht, I'm probably saying that completely wrong, was another German force as well. And these all have very distinct different types of tech trees and units to play around with. It also looks like there's going to be mods for this as well. So there's mods that means that people can create factions, do other things with it as well, which is great because that's what's going to keep it going the longest. It's not going to be the DLC because DLC does help for a while, but eventually it just stops. Or unless you're EA, you stop pretty quick if it doesn't do very well and you move on. Which EA does need to learn a lesson from No Man's Skies developer for how to bring back a dead game. But I move on to, I like this. I do love strategy games. Dune Spice Wars, which I need to actually play. It's on my list of play games. Is another game that I do like. Like I said, I like a variety of games. I know first person shooter is the most popular, but still strategy games are just fun. It's kind of like a either turn-based or real-time chess game. Like how do you move your forces around? How do you try to kill the other team? That type of thing. So I'm glad to see that this is actually coming back. Companies of Heroes 2 was actually was really good as well. And Company of Heroes, the original one, kind of redefined destructible environments within a strategy game because we didn't really have that before we maybe had some like minor destruction but not into this level of like destruction where blowing tanks blow through walls or damage buildings or whatever so it's good to see that this is actually coming back all right moving on to streaming news and it looks like from the iOS app, YouTube has announced for streamers that they can create from their streaming or streams shorts. So this is a good way of like adding value to it because shorts is the competitor to TikTok and TikTok is very popular with a bunch of people, not so much me because I really don't want China to be spying on me. So I just don't do it even though, well, yeah, I just don't want to do that. But for the iOS app only, Unfortunately, for whatever reason, they're not. It's not for Android, which always puzzles me sometimes when Google does updates like this, where it's for iOS but not for Android. The thing, the the phone that they own or the mobile OS that they own, they don't actually do it for that. But whatever, eventually will be come to Android as well. But yes, you can turn channel clips into shorts which i do like because you can create different types of things with this and you can add value to whatever community you actually have so it's another great thing to actually do and moving on to twitch and twitch is going to be lowering the payment threshold in select countries so if you're not in the country i'm sorry but it's, instead of a hundred dollars minimum it's going to be 50 so they cut it in half which does help for smaller streamers to actually get paid. Now this is starting July 15th, which is, well, it's actually today. So it does today. Select countries is Argentina, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Spain, and Taiwan. So I'm sorry, us people, you are out of luck. You're still going to have to have that hundred dollar threshold that you love. Oh, so much, but not really so much. So it should be interesting to see how well this is rolled out and if it will roll out globally or not, but these are the only countries that are getting this right now, but it does help keep the threshold lower. So the payments go to smaller streamers a lot more quickly than trying to get to that hundred dollar minimum. It's easier to get to that $50 minimum and then 
move on from there. It's not a lot of money, especially in the United States, especially with inflation. But hey, every little bit helps. All right, moving on to gear or even more future gear or GPU news. The flagship RDNA 3 GPU is rumored to have 384-bit memory bus. It's quite a bit of memory bus for that one, which could help it process a lot of things a lot quicker, given the fact that AMD has always been behind NVIDIA and with the advent of Intel eventually bringing their GPUs to the market, which would be terrible around right now because the GPU prices have completely plummeted. It's pretty bad. I mean, there was a bunch of sales going on for GPUs on Amazon Prime Day this week, so it should be interesting to see how well that is. So right now, the RDX 6950 XT has just 128 megabytes of a bit or bandwidth, and it's going to be doubling that 384, which should be interesting to see how well that actually do in the benchmarks that we'll have. Yes, it will completely blow out this generation's GPUs once it's actually finally arrived. That's not really in debate. Usually every next generation card blows it out of the water. For the most part, I think the 10 and 2000 series or 1000 and 2000 series for NVIDIA wasn't as great as it should have been. But the difference from the 2000 to 3000 series was quite significant for that part. So should be interesting to see how well this actually does, how well the 3D stacking actually goes for the for their basically their flagship GPUs because that's usually going what they're going to be working with for quite a bit, and how quick it will be against the 4000 series for Nvidia. Even though I think those aren't going to be released for quite a while, just because of just the complete and utter destruction of prices when it comes to GPU especially because of the cryptocurrency market and just how bad that's been for miners and everybody else. It just completely tanked everybody in everybody's wallet too. And moving on to new gear from Razer. That's right. Razer is going to be doing a stream controller that basically is a loop deck live controller. It's basically the same thing. It just has Razer on it instead of loop deck. Now I have the loop deck create, which is a bigger version of it. And it's actually more for creating things. And it does help quite a bit with the editing process and everything. This is more for streaming. Even though you can use the loop deck create for streaming It is about half of what loop deck create is. Now it, it looks extremely similar to the Loop Deck Live. It really does not have any difference whatsoever to it. So that's very interesting in general. It's just that instead of Loop Deck, it just has Razor on it. But that's about it. Now, they did recently launch for Loop Deck the marketplace, which is similar to Elgato's marketplace for doing different things, which I'm glad because they eventually added some other programs officially, like Affinity programs, DaVinci Resolve, and Oh, voice mods now on it as well. Plus with just Luminar, just a bunch of different ones that I actually use because this year I'm officially going to try to get off of Adobe because they're expensive and I don't want to pay for the subscription anymore. 
Moving on to Corsair, and Corsair's newest mechanical keyboard is going to have hot swappable switches. Yes, it's a very small keyboard. It's about, I think it's 70% for that. So it's a very small, compact, good traveling keyboard that is wireless. So it's the K70 Pro Mini with either Cherry MX Red or Cherry MX Speed Silver switches. Now, it'll be interesting to see if you could actually replace those with more of the optical key switches from bloody or razor which is basically the same thing as bloody anyways but those key switches would be great to actually have if you could switch it with those because those are usually a little bit more waterproof a little bit more easier to use and just better all around now we'll have dual shot pvt double-sided double shot keycaps in rgb lighting because well it it's corsair and it's gaming and you can leave it on which will offer you about 32 hours of battery life. Now, if you turn it off, or I'm pretty sure if you lower it, it's, it, it'll be anywhere between 32 to 200 hours of battery life. And the pulling rate is about 8,000 hertz as well. So this should be a really good one. Now, it does have a USB dongle or Bluetooth. So this would be a great keyboard for the Steam Deck. Saying right now, great keyboard for the Steam Deck, lightweight, everything looking into if you're looking into something like that not cheap it's about 179 dollars for this so yeah it's going to be quite a bit but like i said if you want a nice a nice light keyboard to travel with your steam deck that's the best way of doing it where you could actually use it to do productivity stuff with the steam deck like i said steam deck is once it's finally fully realized it's going to be a game changer because it's going to be a lightweight computer and they're going to try to build more things with it, maybe faster GPUs and CPUs or APUs for it. So this is just the beginning for that one, but I'm glad that they're actually making more wireless keyboards because I've been looking for more wireless keyboards in general. There's not very many. Logitech has one. Corsair does have a full one, but it's just not that great. Razer has one, but I'm hoping that eventually Razer will just have one with her optical key switches as well, because that will just be great in general, but we'll see. We'll see what else happens. They usually are quite more expensive, but to have less cables going everywhere is always a great thing. All right, moving on to Unity, and Unity is well in the spotlight again. First, last week they were laying off people not the greatest time, but a bunch of tech companies are laying off people. Now they're merging with Iron Source, which Iron Source has had a an interesting history as a company. They basically were the bloatware company that Windows Defender stopped running because they were just bloatware your computer to death. And so this should be interesting. Now they did merge with Supersonic, which is a developer of in-app purchases platform, and this is really where why Unity is buying it. They're buying it because they want the ads. The ads will help keep the revenue going. And I know everybody hates in-app purchases or in, in ads on their games, but it is something you have to deal with because once again, people got to get paid. And that's one of the easiest ways of doing it through at, for their apps is to do in ads through the apps as well. Now it's not now, the timing is a little odd for this one, given the fact, like I said, they did a round of layoffs as well, but 
remember in the time of recession, and I'm pretty sure this deal was months in the works. It's not just something all of a sudden, uh, yep, we're merging. No, this is years, months, however long. So you always got to keep that in consideration, but this has been in the works for quite a while. So with that being said, it should be interesting how well this is actually going to be doing if it's going to be more malware type of a thing or if Unity ads are going to be something worthwhile for developers. Now, this could be a huge misstep for them, and that could hurt them quite a bit. But in this time of inflation and recession, you got to make some big moves sometimes. All right, moving on to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. And it has made quite a bit of money. That's right. It has made, well, it's made about $1 million. So that was a round of applause for that. But $1 million is, or 1 million copies. It hasn't made a million dollars, but it made more than that. But 1 million copies, excuse me, for that. And I'm part of it because I did own a couple, I do own a couple different versions from, PC to switch to PS5. Hey, I'm a sucker for my childhood, and that's my childhood right there. The old school animated look was my childhood in general. So don't knock me for it, but I'm glad that it actually did a pretty good job. It was well received, and it's not that expensive either, which is another great thing. But it's just a fun beat 'em up four player game, which is always fun as well. Or you can play by yourself too, and you got. April O'Neil, Splinter, not Shredder. Shredder is the bad guy. Splinter, Donatello, Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Raphael. So you got all of them there as well. So, yeah. If you like nostalgia and you like Teenage Ninja Turtles, this is the game for you. Moving on to Halo ODST, and it's a fan remake slash demo of Unreal Engine 5. Now, this will not have any shooting in it whatsoever. It is a walking simulator, somewhat similar to the Iron Man and the Superman demos that you could fly around and do. That's really about it you can do. There's not much more. They can't really do a full game because the license is owned by Microsoft, so they can't actually do that. But it's good to see what you can do with it and how good it looks from older games to now because Halo 3 is not the newest game in the world, but it is it was the most interesting game in the Halo franchise in general. All right, moving on to EA and Skate. And Skate is going to be a free-to-play game. It was supposed to be Skate 4, but they're now just calling it Skate, which will be super monetized and super microtransaction to death because that's what free-to-play games do. Now, Free-to-play games are always appealing to a lot of people because you can just download and play it and spend as much money as you want to or not, regardless of it. Now it's gonna be full cross-play and cross-progression. So if you do if you do get it on PC, PlayStation, or the Xbox platform, it doesn't matter because everything will be saved, which is always a great thing in general. Now there is going to be a test for the uh, they've called it the pre-pre-pre-alpha, which basically means that there are going to be a ton of bugs in this. Don't expect this to play well. So if you have the patience and you have just the tenacity to play a game through all its bugs and massive game-breaking bugs too, then this is going to be the type of game for you. Now, I don't mind all the, that Skate is coming back. I think Tony Hawk Remastered's 
kind of brought back to the forefront that people want to play other games. Unfortunately, Activision didn't really get the hint and didn't really want to do more of that, but it's good to see that it's coming back and it eventually will come out. I'm not quite sure when it will come out, but give it some time. Now moving on to an official aliens game will has been announced. It will be on the unreal five engine. This is going to be a more survival horror game in that genre. So think more of alien isolation than anything else. Not the alien fire team ones, even though that had a little bit more of horror to it, but this one will be very interesting to see how well it's going to be. Oh, sorry. It's going to be action horror game because we need action in our horror games, but it's going to be a very intense single player game. So there's your single player game and it's going to have aliens, which is always incredibly frightening to play against. This will be in between alien and aliens. So be prepared for just a lot of shooting aliens and acid blood. And there's no predators in this one. Alien versus predator is done. Well, for the time being until anyone decides to actually make that again. It was always an interesting game to actually play, Alien vs. Predator. But this one will be strictly an Aliens game between the first and second movie, which are are arguably the best movies in the franchise. Unfortunately, Prometheus and the, the other one, whatever it's called, not so good. I actually didn't watch the other one, whatever it's called. I don't even remember what it's called. And Aliens 3 and Alien whatever the last one was of that Timeline was not good. I don't remember a lot of the bad ones, which is fine. I don't even remember the bad movies, but this one, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it will bring back kind of the alien pedigree of like, maybe not so much alien isolation, which I would love to see a sequel to that one, but you keep on making other ones. All right, moving on to unpopular takes. And this is going to be the backlash from the Ubisoft one. Now, it was recently reported that Ubisoft decided to, well, you can't play some of the older games. That includes Assassin's Creed 2, Raymond Legends, Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands, and other types of games. The reason why is because of resources. And this includes Alien Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, it's mostly because, and it's a very business decision. You look at the games you have, you look at the resources you have, and you look at where your servers or where for online services needs to go. And it usually needs to go to the newer ones. You, you can't keep things going forever, especially with the internet and everything. You can't keep it going forever because it does cost money. And if it's a one-time purchase, you aren't getting any more money for that. It's just more of a free service after that. You've already paid for the toll to play it. Now this is what happens. Now, I'm not saying that they should do this or shouldn't do this. I'm giving you a very business-type answer. Yes, these are popular games. Yes, they were popular games, before but who really plays assassin's creed 2 for however long i mean that was made in the early 2000s assassin's creed 2 was great i'm not saying that no one ever plays it but look you, you gotta look at the numbers i'm pretty sure they have really good numbers on who plays their games and it's like why would you do this now 
The worst part was is that they were selling at a discount Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, which is weird that you would sell it and you say, well, in September you can't play anymore. That was that was a poor decision. I would say you probably should have left that one to go as longer because you already are saying buy this game. And then you're saying, well, you can buy this game and then we're not really going to continue to support it, which is a pretty bad PR misstep on that part. But the rest of it is, are we really playing these games? Like Prince of Persia, the Forgotten Sands, great when it came out in 2013, but who plays that still? Assassin's Creed 2, great when it came out, and great with Etso, or was that his name? I think so. When it was new and he had that timeline of like three or four games, but we've moved on quite a bit. Assassin's Creed is not what Assassin's Creed 2 is. It's more of a Witcher knockoff than anything else. But, like I said, a very business decision is you look at, Who's playing it? You look at what new games are coming in the pipeline. You look at your resources. You have finite resources. Unfortunately for servers, it's very finite because you still have to build those servers to actually run a lot of the stuff. And you have new games coming out and you're hoping the new games will be hits. And so you got to get rid of the ones that are underperforming because there's no point in keeping those. Now, should the single player games be able to play without the servers? I undoubtedly agree with that i mean if it's a single player game why can't i play the single player game i don't understand that part that's the weirdest part about all this multiplayer fine i I mean no one's really playing the multiplayer of assassin's creed 2 anymore as it is but you should be able to play the base game by itself when it's just you and moving on to planet side 2 and planet side 2 is finally going to get the surf and storm type of update where it allows you to fight underwater and looks like it has one of the biggest transport airship be able to transport underwater you also get the corsair which is the new naval vehicle where you can launch people into naval bases or bases on land looks very fun in that general sense but hopefully this will make waves and get people to play it more than what it already is now it's 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 a fun game if you can get into it but i kind of lose interest after a I get into it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, oh, okay, I want to play something else. But that's just me. I'm not saying it's a terrible game. It's just been out for 10 years now, almost 11. It came out in 2012, which is great. I mean, I'm glad to see this wrong, this long running game having the life it does. Would like to see some engine upgrades, probably NVIDIA Reflex, DLSS, 4K, ray tracing would be great, but it is what it is. It still is a fun game. All right, moving on to Destiny Dev Bungie. And, well, when you take political stances, you get more demands from the from the insane Simon, basically. So what they're saying is that you need to have trans-exclusive health care, which really is kind of poison to your body, depending on the age. You know, for, like, young kids and the puberty blockers and putting testosterone or estrogen into your body. If you're a male or female is not good for you. It actually does cause osteoporosis and it does cause cancer, which is never good for you. With that being said, when you decide to go and be the mouthpiece of one specific political ideology, guess what happens? They ask for more. 
You never bow to the mob. This is what happens. And so now they're all like, hey, we should get more health care that's not really essential to you. This is more of an elective health care. I'm sorry, but all that stuff is elective. You don't need it to live. You just choose that you want it because you don't like the gender that you're in. So instead of, you know, working on what's inside, like internally your mental state, you try to change the outward appearance because you think it's easier. There is reasons for that as well. But this is why you just, you stay out of it because then they ask for more and it gets more expensive because this is not going to be cheap. So Bungie, stay out of it. Just make your games. Give, don't take stands like this because this is what happens. If a stand is for the most part, what most Americans believe in fine, but this is like a five to 10% minority of people that believe in this weird crap. Stop it. I told you before, stay out of it. You making games is not really indicative of abortion and or this. So stop. Understand nobody agrees on anything. We all have different sides. But if you take a stand on one side, you are alienating the other side that actually may work for you at the same time. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. I've been seeing around the internet this whole thing that the gaming industry may be going through a recession this year, which is, well, it's almost the end of this year, but it may be going through recession. We may be able to see this actually going. And it has, the sales have not been great. So it, it basically fell for the first time in years as it actually braces for a recession. Now, the reason why this actually happens is a, the inflation is 9.1% as of last month, which me, I'm actually saying is more like 20, 25%. I originally said it was 10 to 15%, but since the government kind of makes up weird numbers, I'm going to say it's about 20, 25. It's, it's pretty bad. Like it's aggressively bad, but the global video game sales was contract 1.2% to 188 billion in 2022, according to research. The market expanded 26% during the COVID-19 and has consistently grown since at least the 2015 data shows. Now, the figures show that the industry isn't recession-proof, which is yeah, I'm, nothing is recession-proof. We've seen this recently. Nothing is recession-proof. Absolutely nothing. Now, here's what I think is going to happen. I do think there's going to be a recession for just about every industry. Every industry is going to con basically get a little smaller because people have less money for luxury items. I'm sorry, but gaming is a luxury. It's not a necessity. If you don't game, you're not going to die. You may really want to game, but you're not going to die. But with that, the other reason why it's, it's getting a little out of control because we have all these free to play games or games that have battle passes. If we have to pay extra per month, bi-monthly every three months or however long the quote unquote season lasts. And you, you have like several of the popular games. That's a lot of money that gamers are shelling out. Plus with buying the games, plus with buying all the gear, it, it's not a cheap hobby at all. So here's what I think is going to happen is that 
game developers are going to go a little bit more closer to what Activision is doing and focus in on their top performing games. They're going to get rid of the other ones, which the indie industry is going to pick up and going to be the most innovative out of all of us. They have been the most innovative for a while, but they will be even more innovative with this. You're also going to see a rapid increase in consolidation between who's going to buy who. So that's why EA is looking to be bought out because it's easier to be part of a bigger company and not worry about your bottom line all the time. So there is a bunch of different question marks. Who's going to buy out who? Who's going to last the longest being still independent because independence is not always guaranteed to make you a lot of money. But here's where we're at. What are gamers going to buy? What shifts and trends in the market is going to actually happen? Because when we see declines, we see gamers going to what has been the most popular or the ones they have had the most fun with, or they go and get deals and sales for old games and just stick to the old games as well. We're going to see a lot less new consoles being purchased because it's an expensive item that you actually don't need. And we're just going to see a consolidation of everything. Everything is going to be consolidated. Ubisoft will probably be bought out by who I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the, it's just a merger between EA and Ubisoft. Just put two bad develop publishers together. Fine with me. I don't want to see Apple buy EA because Apple likes to basically buy it and say like, well, it's not going to be on PC anymore. It's like, well, you don't have a gaming industry in the Mac world. This will be terrible for that. I w- what, I, what would be the most interesting, and hear me out on this one, if this happened, is that Steam or Valve bought EA and for the most part put them under Steam's mar- basically software instead of having two other softwares for that as well. Could be the most interesting one out of all of them, but we're going to be seeing something. The market is moving in directions. A lot of of the CEOs have seen that gaming sales are going down. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of console sales go down too because we've had this red-hot economy for so long and now we're seeing the fruits of overspending and high gas prices. When you overspend, inflation goes up. When gas is expensive like no other because people decide it's okay to go green while destroying an economy, that's not good either. Shipping is, shipping is expensive for companies. Shipping is just in general now extremely expensive. So there's just a lot going on. Most people are not staying home or working from home as much as they were before, which means less time to game, which means less games to actually be bought. Plus with the global chip shortage, that never helped. Plus with crypto mining crashing, GPUs, prices are going to crash because you're going to have a plethora of GPUs and not a lot of people that want to buy the GPUs as well, which you're going to have more GPUs come out, which you're going to... It's looking to be a catastrophe in the gear and the gaming software side of it as well. Too many games are going free to play. Too many games are asking you to buy additional things when people are like, I need to cut back on my expenses. What can I cut back on? 
that's one you can cut back on. Why do I need to spend $15 per season for this stuff when I can just play the game and not spend anything? I got food to buy. I got gas to buy, electricity, internet. It goes on and on and on. There's things that are more important and that's what people will be looking at. And the gaming industry has to respond in a message of like, we are your entertainment. We understand that prices are really high and this is what we're going to do to help with that pain point. And it's going to be maybe lowering the cost a little bit, maybe having more content with less money for people to actually go like, okay, that's not a bad deal, but you have to convince people of that. And that's where the problem is going to lie. Can they convince people? I'm going to say right now, no, because they're a little greedy, but I do hope they do. I do hope they take that advice and try to convince people that it's worth it. But if not, maybe you get to pick and choose. Maybe I can just outright buy the skin and I don't have to buy the whole battle pass because I don't want the whole battle pass. That's another option to look at. But we'll see in 2023 what's actually going to happen. But anyways, thank you for listening to Digital Coffee. As always, please subscribe to Digital Coffee on all your favorite podcasting hosting sites. And leave five-star review if you like this. If not, let me know how I can do it better for you. And join me next week as we talk about what's going on in the PC gaming industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Game on your Steam Deck if you have it, or if not, any other game system that you have. And enjoy what you have. See you next week. Later.